So, approaching 7.32, uh, the UN, as I said before, expects South Korea's population to drop all the way down to 29 million by the time the 2100s come around. We've got a chronically low birth rate. We've heard about that repeatedly. Um, But think of this. South Korea's life expectancy is set to also rise to around 92 years. By the same time, we're going to see this huge drop. So there'll be a lot of money, many older people around, basically, is what that suggests. Data journalist Miriam Quick, though, can go further into the data for us. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Well, good, thank you. Um, It's good to know, first of all, that uh, people here are living longer, hopefully healthier lives as well. But um, this uh, social phenomenon regarding the ageing population here, it was even featured by the BBC's Generation Project. Uh, Unfortunately, we're a a case of curiosity, perhaps for the wrong reasons. Can can you tell us more about the project and um, why it's so interesting, what's happening to Korea's population? Sure. So the Generation Project is a series of articles for BBC Work Life. That's bbc.com's international website. And as part of that project, we're looking into how trends in population are shaping current and future generations around the world. So that can be all areas of society, things like housing, family structures, generational ties, and so on. Um, And as part of this, I was looking for data stories around demographic extremes. So the countries with the oldest and youngest populations, or where populations are growing, shrinking, or aging fastest. Um, I dug into data from the United Nations to try and find these interesting outliers and stories, and I found that South Korea was one of them. South Korea is a real outlier, and it's also very interesting because its population has undergone enormous changes in just a few generations. So I wrote a story about this data in collaboration with Meredith Stewart with uh, charts of the data designed by Valentina de Filippo. Um, but yeah, what we're calling it is uh, it's essentially a population paradox. So right. what I mean by that is um, Korea went, underwent a very rapid period of industrialization in the second half of the 20th century. So it got a lot richer very, very quickly. It's a kind of economic miracle. And at the same time, you see this enormous drop in fertility rates. So that's the average number of children born per woman. Um, just to put it in context, in the early 1950s, the average Korean woman had 5.6 children, so quite a lot. And today she has just over one child, so it's around 1.1. That's for 2015 to 2020. So that means that Korea now has the lowest fertility rate of any country in the world. Yeah. And some of the latest numbers we have suggest that average is dropping below even one child per woman. Um, that's absolutely true yes for the latest available year i'm I'm looking at the five-year average yeah indeed but unfortunately it, what that suggests is that the the trend is going backwards despite all the different government efforts over the years to offer financial incentives to have a children uh, or at least um to lessen the financial burden of, of having kids but there's this thing called the replacement level that's important isn't it um what do we refer to by that Yeah, so to keep a country's population stable, so that's how it exactly kind of replaces itself each generation, the average woman needs to have just over two children. It's actually about 2.1 in most countries. Um, The 0.1 is to allow for children who don't reach adulthood. So that's known as the replacement level fertility rate. Um, Obviously, at 1.1 children per per woman, or perhaps even less, it's nowhere near the replacement level at the moment in Korea. Um, I would say that Korea's case is a kind of an extreme one, but it's not unique. So the fertility rate in most European countries, for example, doesn't reach the replacement level either. That includes the UK and also Italy, Germany and also the US. They're, um, they're saying that Korean women are living 
longer than ever, though, and longer than anyone else, um, according to some of the reports over the last few months. Uh, What's going on there? That's certainly an interesting aspect of the data. Yes, indeed. So um, Korea has one of the highest life expectancies in the world. It's about 12th, equal with Iceland, and it's better than the UK and the US. Um, It's about 83 years, um, so that's actually the average life expectancy at birth. That's the number of years that a baby born um, this year can expect to live. Um, It's 79 for a baby boy, and it's 85 for a baby girl. So girls are living quite a lot longer than, than boys or are expected to. And this is actually something that we see in every single country in the world. And we understand some of the reasons why. So, for example, men tend to smoke and drink more than women do. They often have more dangerous jobs, so they're more likely to suffer from accidents. But these things can't fully explain the the, the sex difference we see in longevity. So some of it might actually be down to innate differences in biology. Mm. Um, But yeah, but the Korean um, women living a long time is is a real phenomenon. Um, There was actually a study uh, published a couple of years ago from researchers at Imperial College London and at the World Health Organization and it looked at how life expectancy at birth might change in the future in 35 industrialized countries. And female babies, baby girls, born in Korea, were projected to be the first to have an average life expectancy above 90 years. And the researchers said there was a 57% chance this would happen by 2030. So it's a probability. It's not a certainty. Right. Um, it's really fascinating yeah. to look at the biology of it, though, the, uh, the way different hormones might play a role. I've even seen people claim that menstruation might, might play a role, that some of the things that cause suffering for women might, um, yes. might be supportive in, in terms of longevity. I, I wonder also whether giving birth either helps or hinders. Uh, do, do we have any data to suggest, in other words, whether actually having babies um, and breastfeeding, for example, would would add to a woman's lifespan or, or potentially even shorten it? That is not something I actually know about. Um, it is an interesting question, though. Um, yeah. There has been uh, some research into why women might live longer, and a lot of it is a little bit speculative, but it comes down to things like women being, and this is not, not as sexist as it's going to sound, more, more useful from an evolutionary point of view, like it's more important that women stick around um, to look after children, but it's all a little bit speculative. Right, I understand. Um, but this term sample generation that you mentioned in your article, that might be new to some of our listeners from abroad. Can you explain further the term and, and how that's also playing a role? Yeah, sure. So the word sample means to give up three things. And in this case, it means relationships, marriage and children. So what's particularly interesting about the situation in Korea is that the statistics show not just falling fertility rates, but also that rates of marriage have plummeted over the last sort of four or five decades, and that's among both men and women. So in the last census, that was in 2015, less than a quarter of Korean women in their late 20s said they were married or had ever been married, and that's down from 90% 90 in 1970. So that's an enormous change in just a few generations. So, you know, in the 1970s, marriage was something almost everybody had embarked on by the late 20s, let's say, and now it's very much a minority choice for for that age group. Yeah. Um, and another thing that's particularly interesting is that um, the Koreans are also giving up on even sort of more casual romantic relationships. So there was a survey from last year which found a majority of South Koreans aged 20 to 44 said they were single and not even dating. And among those people, about half of men and nearly two-thirds of women said they were actually choosing to remain single. So this is a really kind of dramatic cultural phenomenon. 
people just aren't thinking in terms of having romantic relationships yeah married and then having children like they used to although there are so many nuances with south korean culture that play into that for example there's lots of people who i've been told a single and then the next thing you know they're getting married I, i i think there's a certain reluctance to talk about dating here um for whatever reason although maybe that's also because of what you're saying Uh, that it's less fashionable to talk about it. Um, and, and maybe that's also discouraging dating in itself. Um, but again, that's a total area of speculation just to throw in there. Pound 1013 for 51 per message if anyone else would like to join in either the speculation or ask any questions. Uh, but Miriam Quick, I'd like to ask you, do, do you think that governments have to be kind of careful what they wish for? If you go back a few decades to when women were having, you know, five, six children on average, uh, and the government was actually trying to reduce the birth rate, did that potentially set in a a cultural shift, not maybe quite as extreme, but akin to China's efforts to lower its uh, birth rate? And then suddenly people get used to that kind of idea. Mm, I think that actually the roots of it are probably a bit more economic. You know, what governments try to do um, doesn't always stick, but what happens in broader society in terms of uh, people's basic motivations that does stick. So what we're seeing is, like you said, this trend in Korea towards having fewer children is something that is being mirrored throughout the rest of the world. Um, and it goes along with increasing wealth. It's actually called the demographic transition. So essentially, when a country is, is uh, very poor, people have lots of children, but they also die young. So you have this high birth rate and also a high death rate. And they kind of cancel each other out and the population doesn't really grow or it grows incredibly slowly. So This is the stage that most countries have been at for most of human history. And then as the country gets richer, people live longer as healthcare and sanitation improve, but they still continue to have as many children as before, so kind of keeping the habit going. So the population grows really, really fast. And this is the stage that some countries in sub-Saharan Africa are at today. So, for example, Niger has the world's highest fertility rate when the average woman actually has seven children and the population is growing at nearly 4% a year. Right. And then what happens next is, is the stage that a lot of countries are at, including Korea. Um, mortality continues to fall. People live longer as health care improves. But then the fertility rate starts to fall as well. So people start to have fewer children on average and population growth slows down and might even reverse as in Korea's case. Yeah, it, it's really fascinating, this subject, because if you look at the natural world, when, when animals generally are more comfortable and more... F- they've got more resources available to them obviously they're not using money in the same way that we are uh, as human beings they, they would be more likely to um to have babies basically and and here we're saying that the more comfortable people are financially and the more advanced these economies become that the less children people would have um mm. what about the whole conservative versus liberal angle instinctively you might think that a, that a society where um, things like birth control and abortion are widely practiced that, that they, they would have a lower birth rate but but korea is still a relatively conservative country in that respect mm. so mm. so that seems a little bit counterintuitive um, again probably an area of speculation but but, mm. but perhaps that plays into the way that children here are highly educated and and so much money's gone into their education that that they're just delaying all these decisions That could be the case, and um, one of the uh, key factors on a global level, and I imagine this compl- uh, applies to Korea as well, behind this fall in fertility is education, and particularly education of women. 
Um, women who are educated have uh, better career opportunities, better life opportunities in many ways, and are able to to make their own choices. And you know, this is this is a good thing. This is not something that we should be kind of doing down. But right. as part of that, that can go along with perhaps more liberal social attitudes, uh, less traditional attitudes towards things like marriage and family. Um, but there's a good side to this. So uh, women who are better educated do tend, to, and this is within a country, comparing within a country, tend to have children that live longer. And, you know, one aspect to this, one key reason why the uh, fertility rate is falling across the world is that babies aren't dying. You know, children are not dying before the age of five, before the age of ten. They are living to adulthood. And people are not having to have as many children to be sure that they have a son or daughter who will live to then go on to get married and have children themselves. So, you know, I think there's a really good, there's a positive aspect to all of this as well. You you mentioned before, though, there are countries where people are still having lots of babies and, and it's even increasing. Uh, is migration inevitable at some point when, when, uh, when, when the job market can't quite adapt uh, in time or if automation can't quite adapt in time? Well, that's an interesting question. I would actually slightly correct that the birth rate is, the fertility rate, sorry, is, is falling pretty much everywhere. Even right, even in those developing countries you mentioned before. It absolutely is, yeah. Right, okay. Asia, sorry, just, well, either way, we're, we're having many more babies in certain countries than we are here, and yeah. potentially people would look to a country with a falling birth rate as an opportunity. Um, that is an interesting proposition. Um, I wonder whether people... I think that perhaps it's not the opportunity is not being seen by the people wishing to migrate. I think that uh, countries like Korea and perhaps the UK as well might see migration, immigration as an opportunity to to even out the the problems that having an aging population causes, to even out the age distribution of the population. Mm. Um, you know, immigration is is an important factor when we're talking about fertility uh, for two reasons. Uh, one is that the people who are coming to a country who are migrating tend to be younger. They tend to be of uh, childbearing age, let's say. And so that's one reason why they have more children. Um, the other reason is that fertility rates among immigrant populations tend to be slightly higher, although at least in the UK that does even out within a generation and the fertility rate of migrant communities tends to bear a closer resemblance to that of the host country. Right, so it doesn't necessarily seem like it would be a long-term fix, per se. Uh, we, Miriam Quick, data journalist, first of all, thank you for joining us. We are out of time. It's a fascinating discussion. Another area that people might want to speculate on is is that we have a relatively homogeneous society here in Korea, still uh, not nearly as multicultural, say, as, as the UK, and and that, no doubt, will, will be something that either comes under pressure or, or influences uh, our future progression. Um, but thanks again for joining us, Miriam Quick. No problem.